This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Okay, I'm here with Greg Hook, and by the way, Greg Hook, I'll probably do an intro and outro after this, so we're just going to jump right in if that's cool with you. No problem. You know what? I'm going to jump right in myself. Oh, yes. Let's do it. Let me uh, crack open my Arrogant Bastard Ale uh, from the Stone Brewery here. And it's actually from uh, our, the Stone Brewing imprint we call Arrogant Consortia. That's the brand name for that. Okay. So okay. I'm a, cheers. 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 Yep, I'll take a sip of that. Uh, I was thinking these um, these uh, headset microphones were pretty sweet, pretty slick until it came to um, taking a drink. <laughs> Got to move that interference aside. Yep, yep. That's a part of the uh, creative constraint here of our quality <laughs> audio. And I'm out here in Hana, Maui. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is in this place? The cameras, we have some cameras set up. Go So make sure you check out the video version of the teaser on YouTube or my Instagram. But it's profoundly beautiful here. And it's it's more I'm wanting to really celebrate Hawaii and where yep. we're at and how we met. Uh, it was pretty random. It was two days ago, and there was a guy that – do you remember his name? Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I do not, unfortunately. And his name is somewhat important to the story because I was sitting down waiting for my ride, who happened to be about seven minutes late, which I'm very thankful because I would have not met Greg otherwise. So thank you, May Lee, for being late and being and being on time in the divine way. Anyways, this guy sits down and starts telling me that he's reading an obituary or so, uh, uh, something about someone's funeral with his name. Oh yes, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah not that, me. No, yeah, not you. Not I you. I thought you were talking about me as the random. No, guy. No. I was I was random guy number two. <laughs> yeah, I was random guy number one. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So if you're following me here, he just he starts telling me he's like, I'm just reading about someone that's just had a funeral and they have my name, and I was like. Well, congratulations. Keep on rocking the free world. And then random guy number two, Greg, uh, chimed in. And what I remember you saying is something along the lines, well, are you going to go to the funeral? Yep, that's what I said. It occurred to me, hey, you know, going to your own funeral is kind of a rarefied experience. Man, well, he he definitely was mystified by the question, and we started chatting it up a little bit. And then, Greg, uh, I mentioned somehow Breaking Normal came up, and um, you mentioned that you've been Breaking Normal in the beer industry with uh, kind of introducing, like you asked me, what do you do if you've been breaking normal for a really long time and then it became normal? That's what you asked me. <laughs> and I think, right. so, and I was like, that's a good question. And I think, what do you mean by that? And, he's, and, and he told me how he, Greg here has, was kind of changed the game for IPAs in the beer, beer industry. And right when you said that, I was like, can you, I was thinking, I think I had a quite glimpse. Like, can you imagine if this is the founder of stone brewery? I think I thought that, and then so we started talking okay, more, and I asked, go. and sure enough, I That's was manifesting there. I was there talking beer. With I think the, we helped change the game. I don't want to give us too much credit, but we were definitely there in the earlier days, and and you know if you probably if you turn twenty one within the last uh, ten maybe fifteen years, then uh, being in the craft brewing industry probably doesn't seem like breaking normal so much, especially the last ten years, because this is your normal. You've just never known a time without this cornucopia of choice that we have today but back when i started now i have to use my old man voice back in my day you know it was it was a very unusual i like people will say why would you do that i don't understand by the way nobody's gonna like your beer because it's too strange it's too hoppy it's too bitter it's too weird yeah well we liked it 
Hmm. That's that's so uh, on brand to the book I was telling you I was reading about today, Originals, and how in order for the breaking normal, that inherently means that there's going to be like naysayers or doubters or someone's going to get to shed the skin of who they're not, which typically, in my opinion, means trying to live up to the expectations of others. And it sounds like you had a passion for it. Was it, were you brewing IPAs? Like how, I don't actually know this story. All I, there's a few things I know about Stone Brewery. And one of them, we used to do these Rob Ross videos. And one of my friends, Eric Neff, who's like one of the LADA right now, he had this line. He was doing a, a video blog with my brother. And he's like, no, no, this is not a place you drink any crappy beer. This is like a place you bring a Stone IPA. And he said that about 10 years ago. And when I met you, that I had that replaying in my mind. So what is, uh, where, where did you get started? And yeah, what's is your passion around IPAs? Or I would love to have a little golden thread of that story. Sure. Well, the passion developed to become around IPAs. So I started, um, I had my first real beer experience in the late 80s in LA, uh, where I was living at the time. And uh, I had an anchors team and I had that epiphany that, Wow, a beer can taste like that? I had no idea. This is really good. And I kind of had two reactions. One, I was very excited about it, enjoying the beer. And the other half of the reaction was I was actually found myself being angry. Angry when I realized all of my previous beer drinking years that had been stolen from me at that point by the lies of the man telling me that that other stuff was beer. And okay, clouds parted, angels sang, now I knew better. So it was it was a moment in time that, unlike today, it was a difficult uh, rabbit hole to go down. Imagine a world without the internet, without social media, without the easy ability to track down esoteric or unusual or less popular things. And craft beer definitely qualified at that time. So, um, you know, I, I eventually started going to beer festivals and small breweries and doing tours and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Got more and more into it. Met up with my partner who was an avid home brewer. We had met once in the music industry years before. We started home brewing together and eventually, and that guy's name is Steve Wagner. And eventually in 1996, we started Stone Brewing together. And what was that start? Because I've, I've started several companies, and that's a big deal. It's like a, a synonymous, in my opinion, especially if someone's really passionate about it, is almost like having a child. Um, did it start like with, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. We, we're, we're in. We made it. Or oh, No, not we made it. I can tell you that. Okay. Uh, we're in. Oh, shit, we better make it. Um, so it was – I did 16-hour, 18-hour days, sometimes six and a half days a week for – First, you know, year and a half, um, started pulling back to 14-hour days, uh, sort of the second and third year. Um, but it was our, you know, th that was the focus. It's what we did. And um, I, I just, I, I felt like I had to make it happen, you know, just force of will. And um, eventually, you know, it's, it's easy to look back now and go, well, of course. I mean, look at craft beer. Of course you can see it coming. It, it was not popular then. You know, craft beer was not a thing. Yeah, it amazes me. Like, and living in North County, San Diego, that's where I've lived the longest over the past decade, and Stone is obviously very popular there. It amazes me. I could almost drink a different craft beer every day of the year and still be, like, curious about you, what's out You would out not there. have a chance of catching up today. There's more than 150 breweries in San Diego County alone right now, and 
I can tell you they make more than two beers because of 365. Well, okay, that's two point, what, two beers per brewery, something like that. So, uh, you know, you, you couldn't do it. You could you could never drink at a, at a rate of beer, one beer a day. You could never try every beer in San Diego. Uh, that sounds like a, some ch- a challenge yeah, out there for some like people out there. <laughs> um, yeah, when I was first introduced, my fir- first of all, I didn't drink beer until I was, or any alcohol probably until I was like 20, or 19 or 20 in um, Mexico, in Cancun, Mexico. And the way I was introduced to drinking alcohol, people around me were getting the cheapest beer they could. And this was at Emory University, so this is like a tuition of $40,000, and these people are drinking the cheapest beer they can find and drinking, they could go out to eat. So they can drink more and drink as much as they can until they like. I I thought that sounds that, that sounds awful. The, and the way they looked looked awful. Um, That's kind of a teenage experience, though. <laughs> you know, some of us we we bypass that phase, and some of us we don't. And I I, I went through that phase. You yeah, did I go was still that in phase. my teens okay. when I went through that phase. Okay, so I somehow skipped that phase. I did that didn't interest me. It was like the moment when people stopped um, pressuring me to drink that I wanted to drink, and I soon learned that what most people were drinking it was such a different drink than craft beers such that you're producing here that we're drinking the millers like these things that taste like kind of sugar water with a little alcohol tinge um what else was like were there other breweries around when you introduced this like other craft breweries like uh, that were well, who was your main competition was yeah, I don't know when it shifted, but I think y'all were a major part of it because now I went from being thinking that only beer to drink was crappy a lot amounts in large quantities to being yeah. like, oh, I could drink. It's this is like a health drink. I actually feel like uh, I I've thought about becoming a beer shaman in a it serious sounds like a, a, way. a worthy endeavor, and that's why it's also very exciting for me to meet you because I feel like I can drink beer in a very healthy way. Well, yeah, when you enjoy beer in moderation, it, those studies have definitely shown that you'll live longer. Uh, moderate drinkers live longer than teetotalers or heavy drinkers. So that's statistics. But, um, y- you know, it's about quality of life. You have a good quality and then fill in the blank, right? So you were talking about on one of your shows about um, hunting pig uh, here in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, that's uh, a, obviously a free-range animal. You're connected to the nature. You're connected to what's going on. You're having to work for it. It isn't something that's showing showing up in a deli case pre-sliced that came from some, you know, CAFO, uh, confined animal feeding operation, right? It's, you know, a factory farm. And it's a, it's a different quality. So, one, if you eat industrial meat, it's going to not be good for you. Maybe ever, although you could probably get away with some. Some people get away with a lot. Some people get away with very little. But if you're eating a balanced lifestyle of actual real food, like an actual pig, actual vegetables, actual fruits, etc., actual beer. I'm going to cycle it back around to that, right? Then, then you're going to have a great, wonderful life. And you know, drinking's not for everybody. Meat's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Heck, carrot carrots aren't for everybody. Um, although, you know, try again because carrots are kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 I remember when one of our presidents was, you know, decrying broccoli. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> Just pretend you like broccoli. Come on. The United States, we could stand to eat a little more broccoli. You can, you know, that really is a bad, of course, it's not as bad as the current one, you know, promoting fast food. So. <laughs> Many rabbit trails to go up. <laughs> um, 
One is that I, like we do a lot of deep emotional work, and including with myself, I, I feel like a lot of people have a mixed relationship with alcohol. It's not as straightforward as with a vegetable. Um, and I'm not sure how yeah, to say it. A lot of people are in the plant medicine culture mm-hmm. seem to demonize alcohol, which I think is very interesting because I want to talk about the the branding on some of these cans. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why I want to bring up with you. Like, what do you think about that? That do you do you pick up what I'm talking about? Living out, um, you've probably lived around a lot of people that are earthy, and there's a couple of earthy types out this <laughs> yeah. area. They don't <laughs> seem to celebrate uh, beer like they would ayahuasca or or cannabis or other plants or right. other brews or other crafts. You know, uh, it's if it's not right for you, don't drink. That's pretty easy. Just like you would say, hey, if you're not a, a pot smoker, then that's okay. If you're not wanting to go on an ayahuasca journey, that's okay. Um, you know, it's fine. Uh, I, I can't really get into those folks' heads. Um, sometimes they're a bit scrambled. Um, not always. Um, but it can be an adventure just to have a, a conversation sometimes. Um, but... You know, you find your own journey, and if uh, having a beer at the end of the day is not part of that, okay. 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 <laughs> okay. On o- but, you know, this is natural, of course. You know, we, it's uh, we use very simple um, methods. Uh, the, what I'm having is this uh, Stone White Geist Berliner Weisse from our Berlin brewery, and it's brewed with a lactobacillus culture. Uh, you'll find lactobacillus and everything from sauerkraut to yogurts to kombuchas, et cetera, et cetera. Also, you know, lactobacillus is in the earth, and it creates some of that uh, mycorrhizae, you know, some of the, the, the micronutrients and, you know, the living soil. Um, so it's just it's part of the fabric of not just who we are, but of the, the earth. It's, a, it's a, You know, it's in the air that we're breathing right now. Yeah, um, are you? Do you know much about the history of beer, um, and how long have humans like now that we're talking? You know, I know you're reading the book *Sapiens*. You said, which is probably fun to tie into this. How is beer intertwined in human history? Well, uh, a very, uh, very high entwinement. Um, it's it's pegged to ancient Sumeria, uh, several thousand years before um, uh, Christ, and um, but it's hard to actually peg down exactly. Um, they have um, some uh, shards of, of pottery from China that you know show traces of alcohol production and things like that. So it goes back some unknown distance, but certainly uh, quite a ways. And is that any? Is that, have you ever gone down that rabbit trail of seeing how different tribes or cultures interact with alcohol? Like whether it's a uh... Uh, you know, I've heard of, I think, in maybe South America, it's like chicha. Is, yeah, is the that... chicha, which you have to chew. You chew the the, um, the corn, and the enzymes in your saliva change. Uh, you know, start to convert the, the starches into sugars and make it fermentable sugars. And then they spit it into a, a vessel and mix it with water, and then that's fermented. That's chicha. And, yeah, hey, it... Honestly, it, it goes through fermentation. It goes through sanitization. It's, from my perspective, it's no big deal. I mean, we don't make that, but I would I would drink some, no problem. Well, have you ever had any? 
I actually have not. Okay, that sounds so. It's you know, it's on my to-do list. Okay, great. Um, and then, do you know anything about the Egypt? I've heard about like the, with the there's a theory around the Egyptians building the pyramids and were paid in beer. Have you ever heard of this? Oh yeah. Yeah, they are absolutely paid in beer. Okay, so what do you know about that? I'm curious. Well, well. not being an actual historian, but having read their work, um, and I believe that it was actually covered in Sapiens, uh, they were uh, paid in what would be considered a small beer or, you know, a low alcohol beer. It was uh, safer to drink than water. Um, Also, it uh, helped satisfy the the masses. I mean, you're going to have less riots or less uprisings. after work in the evenings with people getting together with beer when they're all mellow and like, okay, I'm going to then go to sleep and work my next day. I don't know. It's, you know, it's slavery. It's a thing that we've kind of gotten away from here in our world, which is probably a pretty good thing. And, uh, the, the the way that they operated back then with their gods and with their dogmas and their, their slavery and the, you know, the, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, you know, the alcohol is in part of human history. But it was early in the, or earlier in the agricultural revolution tied to the earth, like shackled to the earth, shackled to the cultivation of animals and, and feed, you know, getting away from the hunter-gatherer where you could just roam. And I found that very interesting, Sapiens, by the way, that, you know, the hunter-gatherer had more free time, more family time, more social time. Um than than any other culture, agricultural, industrial, or um, uh, technological revolutions that we're in right now. I wonder what they did with if their relation to alcohol was a lot of the hunter gatherer. Maybe the fossil record or the you know the the record of through archaeology is probably gone. So we may ne- we may never know if they if they did any. There doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence. It seems to be that, that uh, agriculture and alcohol production were pretty closely tied. That that's one of the theories is that agriculture came from wanting to control the grain or, you know, get more grain for creating alcohol. And so they learned how to grow grain first for alcohol. But I can't personally <laughs> vouch for that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. Like I said, I've just read their work. That opens a can right there. That's fascinating. All right, so let's circle back to the uh, how maybe some modern health advocates are not advocating alcohol or maybe even demonizing it. Oh, sure. There's a full spectrum. I, you know, I, I've heard of everything. And that's, again, it goes back to if you, if you don't want to drink, don't. That's fine. Um, I have no problem. Somebody, I have friends, I have guests come over to my house or to our brewery that don't drink. And, you know, I'm just going to make fun of you if you um, drink um, shitty beer. But if you don't drink at all, if you choose not to drink, I have, of course, that's your right. It's your right to drink crappy beer, too. But I'm going to make fun of the crappy yeah. beer. I am not going to make fun of not drinking at all. That's, to me, that's off limits for making fun of. I wouldn't. I don't feel that way about it. There's <laughs> no a- reason to. It's like, hey, you don't, you don't want to. And if somebody wants to make fun of me for not doing, you know, I don't know. Crack. Uh, well, that's fine. I could take it, I suppose. <laughs> you can make fun of me all you want. But I don't think they would. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty uh, uh, odd. That's um, It's an odd segue. Well, I'm not going to back off that road because it just doesn't make sense to this conversation. <laughs> I'm okay with going there for a second because I've I, – I, about crack. I've never done crack. Um, 
from my understanding, I've crack, seen people who have. <laughs> is crack more concentrated cocaine that's just, easily sellable in flakes that was created as a name to make? Uh, I've heard this idea that it was to because rich white people were doing cocaine, they had stricter laws for maybe the more thuggish, ruggish people in slums because they were doing crack. But crack in reality is just a more potent form of cocaine. Yeah, it's modified in some way. That it's it's smokable. And um, I lived in downtown Los Angeles in the warehouse district for nine and a half years. So I have direct experience with people, um, you know, on the streets and people I, I dealt with uh, who um, did crack. And it's pretty disturbing. It would, it would get you, uh, as it did with me, it would, it would prevent you from ever trying it. Because I'm a pretty curious guy. But there's a couple of, you know, I haven't, I've never done heroin. Not gonna. I mean, it changes your brain chemistry pretty much right away. Um, crack supposedly does as well. Things like, you know, ice. I'm not interested in having my, my brain chemistry and some of my future choices robbed from me because now I'm driven to this other thing. So that's not, that's not interesting. I, you know, um, you know, I, I choose to enjoy a beer, but if I've got something going on that I'm not going to have a beer tonight or whenever, well, that's fine too. But those other things, those are, yeah, that's dangerous stuff. Those sound like some healthy relationships you have with uh, beer and the distance from those other substances. Well, I, yeah, I, I trust those other substances as much about as much as I do a, um, a, 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 a cola or um, a donut um, <laughs> or uh, a fast food hamburger. I, I stay away from all of them. I mean, not perfect. Okay, so maybe I'll have a donut a couple times. Okay, there's like some pretty good donut. A, donut uh, game is changing. I never bit. said that they weren't good. <laughs> okay. okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to tell you that a fast food hamburger doesn't taste good, but I am going to tell you that it's shite and you should stay away from it. <laughs> okay, okay. And both these things are true. It tastes good, and you should stay away from it. And it can be like crack. Okay. Yeah. All right. Certainly, the well, way sugar plays on your brain uh, can be like crack. Hmm. hmm. It's been shown scientifically, like cocaine. Yeah. I'm a pretty anti-sugar guy. To be honest yeah. With yeah. You. I hear that. Yeah. This is. I'm. Not, we're. If you can't tell, we're getting to know each other here and sharing our. Um, experience and that's why I love these podcasts when I meet because I meet so many amazing people and this was one of those not accidental run-ins as accidental as it seemed it could be so I was like let's do a podcast and I'm so happy I'm doing this I'm so happy I'm here with you yeah let me set the stage for that just a little more so I had just come over from the main terminal um, on Maui flying uh, uh, from San Diego and uh, taking the little uh, walking over to the little commuter terminal, which is a tiny little building, and with just a couple of very informal counters, not not even a TSA process. It's a little um, a turboprop, ten uh, seater, and uh, you know here I am waiting the another twenty minutes that it is before the flight, and we get into a random conversation, and and as I was taxiing. I decided to, to to look you up, and then I saw you know, on your website you had your Facebook feed, and you had your recent Facebook post, post and, uh, which I texted back to you. I thought that was pretty funny because in this uh, Facebook post, you said, here on Maui, looking for somebody else to interview for the podcast. And uh, um, there you go. W- without really understanding that, I walked up, and we struck a informal conversation and led to this conversation. 
Yes, I'm happy you recognize that. And that's funny thing is, I don't know, I don't really understand why I write, write that. I wrote that. I was like, yeah, I mean, I do. I'm here. I am doing a podcast, but I'm like, I don't know who I'm going to interview. And then you're like, you're right. We just rolled right up. What do you think about that? I, when I was on the Big Island, I had a few takeaways. One was, um, uh, if I want something, give it. And then the other one was, uh, what was the other one? <laughs> One thing I noticed, I'll, I'll get back to the other one, but the one thing I noticed was it seemed like what I spoke about, with it was just it just came right to me, and I'm curious what your beliefs on that are. It, more than even more than usual, it's particularly on the Big Island. I believe in almost nothing. Okay. Yeah. I distrust the man and what the food and drink that the man tries <laughs> to sell me. The man, the metaphorical yes, man, yes, right? Yes. You know. Yes. Um, just because I've I've gone on to the inside of the food and beverage industry and I see the cr- literal crap that goes on. It's just awful, awful stuff. Um, that if you actually knew better and you understand how it's made and what it's made with, you would not consume it. Um, again, acknowledging tastes delicious. I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I hear it's you. Cheap. We're on the we're on the same and it tastes team. Delicious. We're so, on the same team with that. Definitely. Um, and I believe that you know we simply make our own way in the world. Now, what I also believe in is a very simple thing, and I think it requires no dogma and no. It, I don't even think it requires spiritual belief. Uh, is the law of attraction. You find what you're looking for. If you're looking for positive, you're a happy guy looking for positive things, you're going to see the world through that lens. And if you're, you know, everybody's an asshole and I'm, you know, blah, 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 you're going to find things that back that up and then reinforce that uh, inner monologue that you have. And uh, I tend to be more positive, looking for the positive. Clearly, you were kind of open to the idea. If you weren't open to the idea of, of inviting, you know, somebody that you thought maybe might have something interesting to say or an interesting story or perspective, um, it wouldn't have come up in the conversation. It simply wouldn't have happened. But you had already decided that you're kind of interested in that kind of thing. And so it naturally just comes up. And I think it requires no sort of... St- ethereal anything else it just happened because it makes sense yeah i'm happy you have these thoughts around this and because i was this morning before i left today i was thinking like if a thousand people experienced what i experienced i don't think it would have ended up with me coming to your house so I started just going, I just started circulating these thoughts of like, man, so everyone can go to like experience, have the same exact life pattern, but experience the life completely differently. I don't invite people over. Not never, clearly, but it's not so common. Yeah, but you know what? You seem like an interesting fellow, and I thought actually I'd have an interesting, I was just as interested in an interesting conversation with you as you were hoping that maybe I might have something interesting to say, which I promise something maybe will be coming up later. I'll not make good at that promise once through this podcast. I hope. Uh, yeah, I think you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you for your, your humbling anticipation. We're, now you're in anticipation. And at the very worst, we're going to hang out and we're going to drink a couple of beers. Yes, yes. And the, the ladies in there are making a, a wonderful meal and taking care of your young daughter. And um, she's as sweet as it gets. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a young child person. I'm just like, okay, that's fine. You stay over there. I can't reason with you. You're not in the age of reason yet. I'll stay over here. But I've been, you know, she's kind of sharp and she's like, I've been able to interact with her a little bit. I'm not, I'm not afraid of children. I'm just confused by them. 
I'm gonna have a proud dad moment real quick. Yeah. And there, I, I've, especially considering the context of our lifestyle, we've been traveling quite a bit with her, and I've had multiple like educators and people in the child rearing industry um, say that she has something very special going on. So it's extra special to hear yeah, that from that you. Yeah, that's love attraction. So one, I'm gonna give you the credit because I saw it too as just an outsider. <laughs> mm-hmm. She seems special. I don't hang around a lot of two year olds, and. Um, and then also, you think positive things about your daughter, so you're going to pick up on all the positive mm-hmm. things to say. But I think I'm, I'm willing to believe, in fact, I would be inclined to believe that they are accurate. She seems sharp. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Let's just think? hope you don't screw her up. <sighs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a good thing I don't the believe. The job it. of the parents is right. Yeah, she's a good teacher. She she does what she wants. Maybe she she'll, wants. yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe she'll bring, you know, as much or more benefit to you as you could ever bring to her. That's good. Fantastic. Maybe she brought some good benefit to me. Maybe I'm going to be slightly less reticent to be even somewhere close to a young child as a result of, of meeting your child. Well, do you, have you seen the Ohm Daddy, Ohm Baby videos? Did you go... Uh, Why would I do that? Come across that with no. your research? Okay. <laughs> so, she, yeah, she's already... She's probably... I was... Actually, I, oh, I had this idea, this belief that she has inspired more people in the world uh, um, faster than anyone. That's quite a statement. Yeah, because it's so a super this is, big statement. Yeah, let me so let me explain why. Okay. And I under yeah, see so let me explain why. <laughs> there was a video where she was about mm, two weeks old and I was doing a live video and she starts screaming. So I said I did it, oh and then she fell asleep in forty two seconds. So there and then I pulled that clip of her going from screaming to sleeping in forty two seconds with an ohm. And that has been viewed. I would I would argue if I compile them over 200 to 300, 400 million times, like on uh, social media account. Okay. But it's also been broadcasted on the India news, like the China news, and um, most people are just deeply inspired by that video. And I'm curious, what do you think Have about that? Have you had that? any people that say, I've tried to watch it a few times, but I keep falling asleep? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had many okay. comments, that one included. Yeah, that I'm one sure, saying, yeah. like, I get sleepy when I watch at, it. At that, at that many views, there's nothing new. No new quip, <laughs> smart little comment that I could offer up that would be anything unique. <laughs> so now do you so, think that my theory could be true? Well, I think you should give yourself some credit for that. I thank you, thank yeah. you. I've I've cut myself like I'm like I'm undermining myself some like I leave myself out of the story sometimes. So thank I mean, you for saying nice that. soothing ohm. I mean that is great. There, do you remember the ohm um, CD that was circulated very popular nope. twenty years ago? Nope. Yeah, there was um, God, it was a Tibetan monk. It was chant, and with of course a lot of that. And the very guttural, you know, kind of thing, which I'm not doing a good representation. And um, it was, uh, it went up on the charts. This was, help me out, audience. Um, type something when you give your review of this podcast. Uh, uh, help us understand where that was. Bring back my pieces of scattered memory. Okay, so you're, Please. you're, <laughs> you're familiar with the ohm. You're familiar with... Uh, the ultra spiritual realm of making everything or nothing spiritual. I'm not sure. And then on the branding of y'all's beers, come, yep. come on. These are, are these like gargoyles? What is this? Yep. So I picked a gargoyle back in the day because I, a couple of reasons. I, I knew that we were going to be making beers that were unusual for, and unlike what most people had, had had experienced. So I wanted to give them a little bit of visual warning. Like you should be expecting something different. 
because the last thing I wanted somebody to do was pick up one of her beers, expecting same old, same old, try it, and then just dump it down the drain because it was way more intense than what they were you know, looking for. Uh, I don't. That would be a waste of their time, a waste of beer, everything else. Yeah, I'm, I very much believe in going, you know, helping define your audience and helping your audience define, you know, helping your audience understand, hey, this is something that might be for me. So it's gargoyle. Gargoyles were um, uh, protectors historically. You know, that's the the mythology around them. And we use our gargoyle to represent our philosophies in beer by warding off the cheap ingredients, pasteurization, um, uh, chemical preservatives, additives, uh, whatnot, um, sort of the modern-day evil spirits of beer. So it was a positioning statement saying, okay, hey, we have some strong beliefs about what we think makes a great beer, about the the technique that you use to make that great beer, and we want you to expect that it's also going to be something pretty different and outside of the norm. So signaling. Makes sense. I, I appreciate that, like intentionality around not catching your um, audience or your market off in like the wrong way. That, right. Like, right. Basically, and, and as arrogant bastard ale is a is a perfect example. If you've read the back on on the back, it says this is an aggressive beer. You probably won't like it. It's quite doubtful that you have the taste or sophistication to be able to appreciate an ale of this quality and depth. And goes on from there. This had one of two main effects. It had the effect of having causing somebody to set it back on the shelf and go, hmm, this doesn't sound like something I'm looking for. In which case, fine. Or, oh yeah, this is definitely what I'm looking for. And they pull it off the shelf. And so, um, I've, you know, i got to tell you, my career, the most special thing that somebody could say to me is, you know, um, hey, Greg, Arrogant Bastard Ale was one of my first, or uh, very often, my first craft beer experience because it jumped off the shelf, you know, metaphorically. It, it, it seemed like something I really wanted to try. And on the front, of course, it says you're not worthy. And it's sort of, it, we, we're, we're playful with it. You know, we're playful with the audience and, and again, signaling, expect something different. That's cool. It's good to hear that from you. I've seen. I've definitely been captivated by so much of y'all's um, artwork on the beer, and uh, that I I I'm not certain, but I am pretty certain that Stone Brewery is what opened my mind to the idea of craft breweries. That's awesome. That's awesome, and, and you know, and I can tell you why that feels so good because I had another brewery open my eyes and then successive breweries after that until we opened our own and wanted to sort of add our voice to the collective craft brewing movement of the revolution. And so I really honor those breweries and really appreciate for that transition that they helped me through or, you know, help introduce me to. So, like I said, it's a fantastic, uh, you know, compliment and and if it if stone hadn't been around there's quite likely that you would have there would have been some other craft brewery and beer that would have been your first or the one that really kind of hooked you um but i'm i'm stoked it was us or that we were part in some way of that journey and we want to continue to be by because well you know we have new beers and new journeys and fun yes 
Much, much more fun ahead. When in doubt, have fun. The collaboration we're doing with Metallica right now. Yeah, well, tell me about that. You mentioned that. I I mean, speak, speaking that. of the, you know, the the ayahuasca crowd, the 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 um, you know the, the marijuana crowd, and how sometimes the marijuana crowd a little less so. You know, a lot of guys that you know a lot of folks that enjoy marijuana also really like having beer. Yeah, and you get sort of deeper into the off grid community, and you get less fewer beer drinkers sometimes not always um i think that also in that community you um have a per- precipitous decline in metallica fans <laughs> yeah. like that I, the, that party so after we met i mentioned i was going to be going to a party and i happened to be wearing a metallica sh- yeah. t-shirt just by circumstance a couple of days ago and i went and not one person mentioned anything i was wearing a master of puppets t-shirt not one person mentioned anything, and yet going through airports, I had several TSA security guys, some guy at the, you know our bar in San Diego. We have a, a pub in San Diego um, um, airport, and uh, I think at least three, maybe four times, just during normal travel. You know, somebody oh like oh yeah, Metallica cool. Or the TSA guys like Master of Puppets, yeah, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. I think I even mentioned it because then you mentioned that y'all had somehow partnered with Metallica on something and a project coming up. What is that partnership? I'm curious. Yeah, we we are collaborating on a beer that we made the official um, press conference a week ago Monday um, in Los Angeles. And it's a beer called Enter Night Pilsner. And it's a sort of like a Pilsner. I call it a Pilsner played through a distortion pedal. It's a cranked up version of a Pilsner. I'm loving the beer. Metallica fans, not all of them. Some of them don't like it. Some of them, it's too intense for them. Heck, there's some you know Metallica fans that are maybe like, no, 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 Arrogant Bastard Ale. That's my jam. Yeah. And there's the spectrum. But uh, hey, um, I'm loving the beer. It's a big, nice, you know, hoppy Pilsner. Super proud of it. And uh, we're proud to be working with a band like Metallica. Those guys are top of it. Yeah, I, I, that was, that's the loudest music I've ever heard. And it went to oh, I remember you mentioning yeah, it. Yeah, it's the loudest music I've ever heard, and that's how I would describe it. I, I just had never heard anything so loud, I don't think. <laughs> and loud, loud's part of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it, intense and energetic, but that, that's what, one thing that stuck out in my mind. Yeah. Not, I would love to hear what else you experience with Metallica. Well, I love the musicality of it. So I think that you know, once you are first introduced into anything, let's say you're first introduced into IPAs, um, you maybe only sense bitterness, you know, that that the, the loudest characteristic of an IPA. But as you become more and more acclimated to it, then you start picking up all the different nuances between you know the IPAs that are more citrusy, the IPAs that are more piney, uh, that are more dank, and so on. And, and you can think of any category of music. Uh, Uber driver the other day, he was um, playing hip-hop. And to me, um, not being so familiar with the, this kind of slow jam hip hop, to me it just sounded like all auto tune. Um, and it was cookie because it kind of was all auto tune. Um, but anyways, it it kind of really one song after the other after the other um, kind of sounded very similar. I'm sure if you're into hip hop, you're picking up a lot more differences and a lot more nuances than somebody like me. And I was considering asking him to, you know, turn it off or switch. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take this ride to the airport. I'm going to listen to this guy's music and, uh, you know, try and enjoy it. And not my thing. I'm more of a heavy, heavy music guy, hard alter- alternative, world music, 
classic core jazz, you know, variety of, of things. Or NPR. <laughs> I've listened to a lot of NPR. Wow. Wow. This is um, this is fun to learn more about you. <laughs> yeah, you're, there's so many things that I feel like we could talk about. I had, uh, did you, do you know Rafe Kelly? He was a previous guest, and I believe y'all, you're like somehow, the way you see the world is very similar to him, but you look much more like other guests I've had. He's like a, a gorilla. Okay. Well, like I mean, physically, like yeah, a physically, very large human yeah, being? Yeah, very okay. large. Yeah, I'm kind of scrawny. <laughs> but it's just like you look, you like you remind me more of like someone like JP, but you think in a way that's more like someone like, like Rafe. Anyways, I'm having <laughs> I'm having a fun, a fun melting of realities hanging out here with you in Maui. Sure, I think we can find a, a variety of different characteristics, you know, and, and different people we meet, and <laughs> I think it's cool. I I get it. Yeah. yeah. I, I I would struggle to think uh, off the top of my head who you remind me of, but there's some characteristics. Like, but it's it's fun. Um, I like people who um, kind of in, are active in the journey of life, who like to actively experience different things and uh, explore. And um, you know, we all develop ideas about where you know what we think of the world and how, what we think is the right way to interact with it. And we judge other people because we're human beings, and that's one of the top things that we do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's our nature is to judge, and it's built into our DNA. But, you know, um, hey, let's let's be active. Let's be open. And some people are open. I hear your daughter's having a, a yeah. look, sounds like a little meltdown there. She's, she uh, rages. Yeah, this okay. is another thing that I'll appreciate Metallica so maybe she should be a Metallica fan. Yeah, exactly, exactly, like, I think there's a, a rageful part. Not only is there a judgeful part of our DNA, but sure. a rageful part of our DNA in a way that doesn't have to be taken out on others or is dangerous, but it could look like, it yeah. could sound like what's happening with Davina right now. Last September, um, I took uh, my wife Sarah to uh, her first Metallica concert, and she was a little trepidatious at first. Thinking she was, she was feeling intimidated. She's like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, tough-looking people here. I'm like, don't worry, sweetheart. They're all in their happy place right now. And that was proven. She loved it. She had such a good time, and she's looking forward to seeing more shows. She was like, you know, oddly, I, I don't see it, she, but she calls them Metallica guys. She calls them Warriors of Light. I'm like, okay, I think that's an awesome thing that you see. I kind of see them as musicians and like this powerful force of nature of this band that I've loved for decades. But however you, you know, I think that's awesome. Well, they do have that very fiery theme. Like the, uh, I th- I even think some of their branding is like flames for some reason. Oh, sure, they have you know in some of their older stuff they have a lot of flames and skulls and you know some of that you know, but uh, you know, they are a heavy band. But uh, the reason you know they are the only American band in history with seven albums that debuted at number one. No, I, I did not know that. It doesn't exactly. surprise me. I, I imagine yeah. they break all kinds of records when it comes to music distribution. I'm so inspired, and, and so I've actually been using this in some talks that I've given over the years. Um, it, I'm so inspired by what they represent in sort of the philosophy of how you approach your art. Um, most people don't like Metallica. Just Most people don't like Metallica. So you think about it a few ways. One, do you think Metallica cares if you don't like their music? I'm 
although I haven't asked any of them this direct question, I think we can imagine they're not particularly worried about it if you don't like their music. They're stoked if you do. It's like, it's like me with our beer. If you don't like our beer, that's okay. I'm fine with that. You like our beer, that's awesome. I'm really happy that you enjoyed what we've made. And most people don't like Metallica yet. They're the only band that has seven number one, you know, seven albums that debuted at number one on the charts. So it's the power of just doing what you believe in instead of trying to please people. Do your thing. Do your art your way. Don't hold back. Don't water it down. Don't try and make it for the masses. Just do your art. And if you do a great job, sure, you might not be the very top of the charts like you know Metallica has, has been able to, to gain um, with the with their sales. Um, but uh, it's, it's like as Seth Godin, um, who I'm a big fan of, uh, says, a thousand true fans, right? You, you don't need everybody to love what you do. You just need a few people to really love what you do. And you can't get that really, you know, the emphasis really love what you do unless you're doing it true unfiltered it can be scary you gotta put it out there you know we were talking about the early days of stone we you know we made beer we knew most people didn't like and i'm sure that there's some articles that could be dug up from the very couple first couple of years well actually not too many because nobody was interested in writing anything about us uh, in the first several years, but we didn't get zero press. We got almost none. But, you know, I would have told you, it's it's like, if you don't like our beer, that's fine. But if you do, awesome. And I think that's the power of, you know, bringing your very best self to, to what you do. And it, and it can be hard, you know. It's like, uh, I think, did you make a reference in, in your podcast to, uh, um, um, oh, oh, shoot, I'm really, a, a Ryan, no, not a Ryan Holiday book, um, uh, the the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I most likely did indeed. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I'm a fan of that book as well. Um, the author, help me out here. Was that Ryan Holiday or no? no uh, Mark Mason. Mark Mason. I Thank believe. you. Yes, Mark Mason. Forgive me, Mark, for hey, getting Mark. it wrong. What's up, Mark? <laughs> um, big fan of the book and that mentality, right? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I believe you because I—that's how I experience you, and I love the subtleties of like the parallels of Stone Brewery, what that represents to beer, what Metallica may re- represent to music, and especially I love this idea. That, like it's really you—you you define breaking normal in a way I've never heard before. Hmm. That it's seemingly in a way <laughs> some of the most successful entities or people or businesses or bands most people didn't like oh right well there's many quotes throughout history of explaining that very or you know stating it in in artful clever ways in, in a sentence or two about the importance of if you're if you're doing something that most people like you're not doing anything that's worth anything now that's a pretty hard judgment Right, so I don't want to take that, you know, I think we could all think of something in our lives where lots of people like it, and we like it too, and we think it's pretty awesome, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, but for the most part, art is not going to be, be appreciated by everybody. We all know the stories of artists, writers, musicians, and whatnot that were not appreciated in their time, 
or maybe only at the very end of their career, that some tastemaker somewhere decided that they were special, and then a lot of other people followed them on that bandwagon and agreed, oh, yes, I see it too. That's that's exactly what that book I was telling you about I'm reading on the way over here, Originals, was talking about. It's usually one person that pushed the person that is widely known for a long time. Like the lady that was behind Martin Luther King saying, like, tell them about the dream. Right, right. Tell them about the dream. I can easily look at craft beer, the segment. Um, You know, all of my friends, they were like, why do you drink that stuff? And everybody I would talk to, I would go to bars that, you know, maybe they had a stone handle on in the early days. And, you know, just get into random conversations. Oh, that's just foo-foo beer. Why can't you make anything normal? And uh, why, do, why do I adopt some sort of bad Southern accent with that? I'm sorry. No disrespect to any of my Southern friends. <laughs> I know but... a little something about Southern accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I did grow up in a part of Ohio where it had a little twang. Whoa. Not there. So you were, were you born in Ohio? No, I was born in Southern California, but grew up in a very small town outside of Columbus. Wow. that's JP grew up on a very small town outside of Columbus. Okay. A lot of my friends, like a lot of my good friends, grew up in Ohio of all places well you know Ohio uh, yeah Ohio is one of those states and well uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful place but I was I was happy in, in my case to get out of a small town um, I felt very constrained by spend small town you know mentality although I didn't really understand it at the time because I was very much a um, in school, in high school, I all the only thing I wanted, the only thing I wanted was to fit in. That was the that was I literally dreamed, I fantasized about fitting in. It I desperately just wanted to fit in, and I did not, and I denied my own character, and because you know. I, to anybody that is growing up in, a, in an environment today where they can be a misfit and be okay, hats off to you. And, and sometimes it's the environment and sometimes it's because I, you know, small town high school, it was a difficult environment. Um, but it was also partially me. It was partially me and just my lack of um, uh, my, my fear and just being who I was and, and really also struggling to know. I mean, hey. I don't want to give myself too hard of a time. I was, you know, a young teenager. It's like, yeah, I didn't know. So I struggled with a lot of that stuff. Well, well, the second guest after JP, who was also right outside Columbus, Ohio, I think my friend Jordan Bowditch, he has a brand called the Mystic Misfits. Okay. And I think it was birthed from something very similar. And I think that's where Breaking Normal is birthed from something similar as well, is like this um, – this seemingly, seemingly like addiction to approval, rather than being authentic. We are we are built that way. I gotta I gotta uh, take a second here. I'm gonna go pee. Yes, yes. And yes. because we're in Hawaii, I'm gonna go pee in the yard. Yes, that's yes. What you do. Awesome. Go for it. <laughs> we. I'll I'll probably do the same thing actually. You know what I just realized. All of my talking, my sort of ranting out loud about, you know, the importance of going your own way and, you know, the, I just realized that I am subconsciously trying to coach my 15-year-old self. It just sort of dawned on me. I think that's why I get so kind of amped up about it and, you know, um, and, and really try to drive the point home. Uh you know, all the things that I've learned to love in life, you know, become real f- a fan of myself. Um, 
you know, because I'm a fan of a lot of things, and Metallica is one of them. But you know, there's so many things I've become fans of, of uh, food and drink, and you know, maybe a chef or somebody doing something in food and beverage or in art um, um, of music or writing, etc., etc., etc. And they are all people that uh, sort of consciously or unconsciously followed this basic premise that you know we've been talking about in the breaking normal present. Um, kind of approach to life and to the, what they do. And those are the things I love the very best that I'm become an enthusiast about. Like I was, you know, Mark Maron's book, you know, um, The Simple Art of, or um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. The Simple Art would work too. I wonder yeah. if you ever considered that one. <laughs> no, I, I like the subtle because too, the word subtle and not giving a fuck <laughs> in the same sentence actually just kind of juxtapose, juxtaposes it in a way that kind of raises your eyebrow and go, hmm, that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, uh, so it's two things. One, to, you know, try and go back to my 15-year-old self and shock him out of his just, no, trying to fit in isn't important. It doesn't matter. In fact, do the opposite. Tell them to all fuck off. I don't know. It just, whatever, whatever way you do it, right? And, and. Hey, what I wrote in 1997 on the back of the Arrogant Bastard Ale um, can, bottle, uh, was definitely telling people to absolutely to fuck off. But it was done with a smile, a wink and a nod. You know, I wanted to have fun. It was lighthearted, right? So, but it, but still, you know, there's degrees. It doesn't have to be, you know, to a hundredth degree. It could be, you know, a lower degree of intensity, but still, it was just a way of saying, you know, uh, if you're from New Jersey, you're saying, now I'm feeling shy about having said fuck off so much, right? But if you're from New Jersey, you know, if that's a term of endearment, <laughs> you know, amongst friends, you know, all this kind of thing. So it's it's not just an, it's a not necessarily a negative thing. I've definitely, I'm right? funny, you, I'm happy, you know, a lot of the things you said I'm happy about, but especially the New Jersey thing and how that's like a terms of endearment. I've When I was in the, I've been in the Northeast, it seems like people are, overly aggressive and then when I go to the northwest it seems like people are overly subdued I'm just right. curious if you have any what you would think about that well it's just all what's normal in the area that you grow up in it's a normal way to react to people around you and it's it's the culture and so Seth talks a lot about culture of course and talks a lot about culture in, in books like um, Sapiens and it's um, and it's when you have a culture clash that sometimes you can have that clash, and also when you speak in terms that uh, you know if I uh, generationally as well as I'm if I'm talking to my mother or her generation this way that wouldn't fly, and I get it, and I don't. Mm. Yeah, I get, I get. And the, I figure I that with you and your listeners, you're like, yeah, okay, you're gonna get it. It's the contextually, it's gonna be fine. Check out that moon rising. It's coming. Oh, yeah. That looks beautiful. Wow. Going to pop over that ridge of clouds right here uh, pretty soon and wash us, bathe us in that uh, moonlight. <laughs> yes. Kind moon, of awesome. Moon bathing. Here we are. Moon okay. bathing. Here. That sounded a little bit sexy. I wasn't really meaning it that way. <laughs> Well, on the note of sexy, man, you created a sexy beer company here. Congratulations. Um, and it seems like it's not slowing down. Uh, is there, and then you spoke of other passions. Is there other passion projects? Are you doing other business? Is it other hobbies? Like what's, uh, what, uh, what else are you doing since we just met? I'm curious. 
Um, I see you're stewarding some awesome land, and it seems like you're getting into some permaculture. I, yeah, I try to do. It's a, I'm developing the permaculture to figure out what works here. Um, from a permaculture perspective, we, you know, I can sit right here and look at one of my Hawaiian chili pepper plants. It's uh, now a couple years old, and it's you know several feet tall and just completely covered in in the Hawaiian chili peppers. But I'm, as you've seen with a lot of my pepper plants, I, I love growing chili peppers, a wide variety. So I've been figuring out what works here. I'm currently battling those root knot nematodes, dastardly little devils that plague the roots of the certain varieties of the plants. I'm going to be getting into grafting here very soon to try and deal with that. Graft some uh, eggplant rootstock into some tomato top halves, some tomato scions, and some pepper scions since they're all in the nightshade family and you know get into that and i like making stuff sauces i like making my own hot sauces and um nut butters and i'm associated with a nut butter company that started in san diego it's called natista that makes awesome Even nut butters on your head if you want me that, yeah i just wanted to get to that before thank you you it's still there yeah, there you go. Got it. Oh, he must have been yeah, in deep. He, he if the first, yeah, if you're probably going to get the itch. <laughs> They're pretty lame out here, really. I, <laughs> I get them, my legs covered in them at just that certain time of day or when I'm down near the bananas. And, uh, you know, I'll come back and there'll be a few dozen red spots all over my legs. And then two hours later, they're all gone. Yeah, I, they're, they're back they're, on your head, and I don't know if you want me to tell you. It's just like so far on yeah. my, in your forehead. I'm like, man, I gotta call That's that. Fine. Gotta call that one out. I've been in places where the mosquito bites were. Um, I might be a little trained when like dengue or certain mosquito illnesses are popular. That I think I've kind of been trained myself to keep a safe distance. Yeah, uh, I don't think we have dengue out here or or uh, malaria, fortunately, or a lot of other things. But I do um, definitely am swapping blood with um, some other species or some other people because. Um, a lot of the mosquitoes I swat, I, I get the blood splatters from them, and I get them right when they land. <laughs> the mosquito. Yeah, so there's somebody. It's somebody's blood, and I'm not sure. It could have been mine. It could have been come back <laughs> yeah, for I a second. I thought about that too. I, about been, that as well. uh, I don't know. Whatever. So, in the, uh, are there any? Have you thought about making any products around hot sauces or nut butters or any of those other? No, I no. just do it for fun at home. Okay. Yeah. I ferment my own stuff. I make my own kimchi and you know that kind of thing. Nice. But that's just a um, home hobby. That's, to get into a business takes real work. <laughs> real work. It doesn't matter how good your stuff is. Well, it does matter. But it still takes real yeah, work. Yeah. Right? I could write an amazing song. It maybe even could the potential of being a hit song. But to get it from the writing of the song all the way through to actually being an actual hit song takes real work and it's not going to happen i'd have to dedicate myself to one that presumes that maybe i could write a hit song which i i'm not convinced is possible it is possible i'm not convinced that it's automatic i'm not saying oh yeah i can write a hit song that's not the point anything you do takes real work and that makes me appreciate the work that people put into their art because they have to put it out there you think about it you have to put it out there you have to work your ass off you have to completely believe in something that often nobody else will you got very little support everybody will give you advice it's another book i love is uh, ignore everybody yeah and uh you know they'll give you all this awesome advice which you're best not to take but it's hard not to because hey often we want to please 
and um, you just get continue down your path and maybe 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 after years of working at it you'll get noticed you know the 10 year overnight success mm, yeah. so do it because you love it and that's why we started and that way it's brewery. a win it's a win regardless yeah oh man I couldn't I, I couldn't imagine not having done it I mean, it was like uh, and we never thought we would be successful like we are I thought we'd be successful enough to keep the doors open. That was my intent. I mean, I had a very specific, like, we must be successful enough to keep the doors open. But beyond that, I never thought that we would sell our beer much outside of Southern California. In fact, um, I remember setting an early goal with Steve. And we were, we were trying to come up with, I think, five or, or ten goals just to help us align and make sure we were, you know, communicating and working on the same thing and just our mindsets. were. And one of the goals that we agreed on was we wanted our beer to be the beer that somebody would ask for when somebody they knew was visiting Southern California. So let's say you're coming from Ohio to Southern California and somebody goes, oh, dude, you're going to SoCal? Can you bring me back some stone? Okay, that's what we, that was our stated goal. We wanted to be able to have a reputation that exceeded the borders because, you know, we couldn't even imagine it would be sold outside of Southern California, let alone in Ohio or having a brewery now in Berlin, Germany, having a tap room in Shanghai, China, having a brewery restaurant in Napa, California, having a brewery in Richmond, Virginia. That just was beyond our comprehension there was no context for it that's uh it's fun to hear it's fun to hear i, I think i i am um, most of the people i've interacted with are like in the midst of that journey of going for going it for it and sending it and not sure how it's going to end up and then like now there are people that's like oh like jp like He's like, okay, other because I've seen JP's genius for so long. It's like, just do that, do that, and sure enough, all of a sudden, that the ten year, or the one overnight success in ten mm-hmm. years in the making, mm-hmm. and it's fun to it's fun to hear it too. Uh, yeah, just sitting here with you and having a stone brewery and realizing the significance of that symbology and yeah, congratulations and thank you for uh, staying true to your art and your passion. Uh, regardless of what people think. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, it sounds like you're pretty freaking good at that. You know what? I talk a good game. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. It still remains to, uh, as the hardest thing. Which, which you, part? You want to please. You want people to like what you do. That is true. And that is, I, do, I rarely accept a you, but I do want people to. I do want oh, s- sure. some, especially yeah. some. I don't need everyone, but I do want people to appreciate what I do. It's it's hard. That that's why a book like Ignore Everyone is uh, I think so valuable because it's very natural to want to be to to be pulled by the all the variety of of opinions and input and feedback and, and frankly like I I don't I, I I really shy away from reading feedback like the Yelps of the world or whatnot because there's you know, two things. Like, if there was something that w- we executed on, but we missed our own mark, I want to know about that. But I want to know about it right now. Can you tell me right now? If, like, if you're at a restaurant and a dish didn't come out right, it wasn't hot or whatever it is, tell us right now. I want to fix it 
right now. I want you to be happy right now. Now, if you came or you're experiencing our beer and it isn't what you like, but it met our standards, okay, that's fine. But I don't need to know about that because yeah. you're going to be telling me what you thought it should be. And it's hard to read that stuff because you, you naturally you get pulled and so you have to go back to ignore everybody. Do it the way you think it should be done. And what I want to listen to is I want to listen to when we miss the mark in some way. I want to be aware of it so we can fix it. Because we want to hit the mark. We want to hit our own standards. And our own standards are, are very high. And if you have high standards too, great. Then you understand this better than most. So you're the kind of person I want to listen to. I want to know. I want to get the feedback from you. Yeah, that's such a uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, you're saying things in a new language that definitely resonate at home with me. Okay. I've probably paraphrased it in my own mind in a different way. I'm like, I love this new perspective. It reminds me of someone that's both like people have gone up the same mountain but different trails, and they're exchanging notes on the trails. It's like, oh, that makes sense, but I didn't see that. That but now I I could see how you would see that. I was on the other side. Um, and, yeah, and I'm always the kind of guy that like, yeah, I saw the trail over there, but I don't know. It looked like there were too many people on it, so I decided to bushwhack. <laughs> bushwhack why do things? Why do things the uh, the easy way when you can do them the hard way? Man, I learned about bushwhacking with hunting. That was the one oh, thing. Yeah. I, I wasn't. I didn't understand bushwhacking hunting. until hunting. Yeah. All of a sudden, bushes weren't a thing to be. Hunting I just go right Hawaii. through, but go right through bushes. It's like, oh, I thought I had to stay on the trail until that moment of adrenaline. I'm just going right through the bushes. Right. With a guy in front of me, Bushwhack. <laughs> well, it's good to have a guide sometimes. Yeah. Um, and on that note, guides, you seem like you have a lot of uh, – I enjoy wherever your inspiration is coming from. I imagine a lot of it might be not outside of yourself. But for the for the stuff that may be influenced by others, do you have any – like you mentioned a few books or – Seth Godin is, you know, awesome. So I recommend anybody listen to his podcast, um, read his, his little blog. Um, and I say little blog because each one is maybe a paragraph or two every day. Cool. Um, and I've been listening to his book, This Is Marketing. I've listened to his book, yeah. Tribes, or Tribe. Tribe. Uh, yeah, it's one of the two. I yeah, know. Tribes, I believe. Anyways, yeah, I agree. I agree. What's up, Seth? That's my middle name. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, my my first book that I read from him, I think, was published in 2002. It's called uh, Purple Cow. It's not his first book, but that's the first one I, I encountered. Um, and, uh, you know, anything, if, put it very simply, and I'm going to be paraphrasing, you know, one of these authors, and they all say it in their own way, but I think that that's what's unique about them is they are able to deliver the message in ways that, that spark your own imagination and hopefully bolster your own internal voice, sending you down the right path, your right path, which is, um, it's just important to find that path and do it yourself. I'm going to be repeating what I've been talking about, right? It's at some point, you just get down to it and you go, you know what? Do it the way you think it should be done. Uh-huh. And as I will often say, ignore everybody, including me, except for this particular advice that I'm giving you in this sentence. <laughs> that pay attention to from here on out, ignore everybody. So he's going to tell you that he's going to tell you, then he's going to tell you, then he's going to tell you that he <laughs> JP, told you. JP would have something very clever to say about that right now. <laughs> and on that note, uh, before we 
conclude this, I would love for you to take another gander at the moon and hear Ooh. your description of it. I mean, what is that color? What's going on? Okay. There's something going on here. There's a silvery character to it with uh, you know sepia overtones as it um, is now between two ridges of clouds. So there's a band um, from this perspective of, of just a few inches above the horizon. Uh, but in the grand perspective, it's got to be, you know, either um, hundreds or hundreds of thousands of miles. <laughs> um, but anyways, it's, uh, it's, it's right about eye level on the horizon. Uh, there's a band of cloudless area, and it's going to die behind. Uh, we can see a black cloud in probably another 10 minutes. And, and, uh, but right now, um, I don't know if you could uh, read a book by it, but I think you could play badminton in the yard by it. A slow game of badminton. <laughs> wow. Man. Without even having the little glowy uh, um, birdies. I'm happy I asked. Do you know that badminton is, uh, I guess, um, the most played sport in the world? Nope. It's hard to imagine against um, soccer today, or the what some people call sport. football. Um, but, but yeah, well, China. Just think about it. That's what I was about China. to say. It must be some highly populated country that I haven't been to. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I have not been in China. It's, it's, it's funny. Like, China just changes everything <laughs> to scale. There's something like 20, 23 Chinese cities that are larger than the Amer largest American city. Hmm. Just for perspective. Have you been to China? I have. We have a place in Shanghai. Whoa. So what's your – should I – if I, I don't usually you, – you don't. You told me something about me that I agree on, and I, I'm happy about that. If you're going to should on me, should I go to China? And if I should go to China, how should I go? Sarah says should on you. Don't should on me. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not, she it doesn't feel good to be should on. Like, and I always <laughs> kind of roll my eyes a little <laughs> at that phrase. I'm like, okay. Well, if it's a good should, I'll be like, <laughs> I'll consider it. That's like manure, but I don't like that bad shit. <laughs> um. I think it's uh, an inspiring and confusing and overwhelming, you know, all at the same time. It is everything that could ever be, um, really. I mean, just because it's just a vastness, right? You know, the, the billions of people. Uh, that was a big statement that I just said. Of course, it can't be European. But on the other hand, they make cities that are designed to be European. Like, you, know, you, you go to Shanghai and, you know, these buildings are from the 1800s along the, um, the bomb. The um, the the Bund uh, River, uh, which are are colonial buildings, and they're built by the French and built by the English, and you know, and they look like it. And you're like, where am I? And how long has this been here? And you look across the river and see all these tall buildings and bright lights and the big neons and the crazy shapes that they're making these days. And, you know, the old buildings, you know, the super tall ones, and just make them very showy for the skylines and the high rents that they're charging the, I don't know, the law firms or whatever that occupy them. Wow. And wow. Um, it's, it, anyways, I have, I've been around a very small amount of, of China, you know, just not even tip of the iceberg, but it's, it's been incredible. I love the experience. And I'd been a little hesitant. Um, and I've had the good luck because I'm an avid traveler and I get out there. I've had the good luck to be about, I think I've hit 55 or 56 countries so far. So, um, you know, reasonably traveled over the years. I was, yeah. I was funny. I was just about that. I was thinking yeah. you must be an avid traveler, and you said you are in fifty-five countries. Whoa, I'm fifty-four. 
So was, I've had some time to do it. Yeah, you're like at the year, a, a new country, no, I would, new yeah. year. <laughs> then by the time I hit 100, I'll hit the Century Club. <laughs> Century Club. I used to want to hit the Century Club, but um, it's become less important as I've gone in the last few years. I'm like, okay, I, I don't want to do it just to do it. Mm-hmm. I like to experience. And I think it's, you know, unless I really focus for a few years to get that other 45 or 44, I, I may not do it. Mm-hmm. But if I do, great. It's, I'm going to hit Portugal for the first time in the spring. It's Metallica's first European stop. Oh, Lisbon. You know it's, oh, Lisbon. Okay. Lisbon, yeah. I've been to Portugal. And one of my favorite I've places. Heard, I've heard great things. It's amazing. Yeah. And my grandma lived to 100. She passed away three days after 100. Mm-hmm. You know, there's statistically that happens a lot, but a lot more for men. So men will will themselves to live to and past, maybe just past uh, milestones. Women do that less statistically. Hmm. I'm I'm not the scientist who's done the research. I've just read it, but <laughs> I like reading. I, yeah, it I seems like, like you keep up with statistics. No, but but I, I I find things like that very interesting because it gives a picture to who we are. I, and and you know, um, men will. Uh, will themselves to live through um, Christmas, through holidays, um, through birthdays, whether their own or maybe um, a grandchild or a, a child. And then often, um, you know, uh, say, okay, I've made that. I'm, I'm done, you know. I, it makes sense. It makes sense. Have you heard of the statistic that 70% of statistics are made up? Yeah. Uh, yes, but that actually is it's incorrect. It's, it's actually probably more like 83%. <laughs> And I would go to the mat over that one. Do you ever do that? Have you ever gone to the mat? Do you ever like do any kind of martial arts? No. No. I'm scrawny. It's something I've gotten into recently. It's a way to get broken. You'll have to listen to the episode with Rafe Kelly. Okay. That's my trade. Do you have any requests? That's my request for you to, to listen to the podcast episode with Rafe Kelly. And that's my request to the viewers too. And then do you have a request for me and or the viewers? Um... I th- I think the request is probably something that your you definitely and your your viewers listeners are inclined to do, which is uh, let's teach our next generations and ourselves um, a little more healthy skepticism. The world tends to believe a little more blindly than, and we can see it in today in a wide variety of ways that people actually eat that stuff that people actually vote for that person you know whatever it is so i don't want to get over specific but just skepticism is a super super healthy thing and um it's a pain in the neck and uh i you know talk to people all the time when we get into some of these subjects and like oh you know i can't eat anything anymore you know everything is bad for you i'm just tired and i get the i get the fatigue factor and it doesn't matter the category whether it's food and drink or in politics or whatever but but it's skepticism is good so be skeptical my friends be skeptical yeah that reminds me of that sometimes i think people the doubt and faith they're like two sides of the same coin not that doubt is the same thing of skepticism but i appreciate you driving that home i think uh sharing resentments is one of the most neglected forms of love Okay, yeah. And currently, or at least since I've been around, it seems like, what? Why do you, why didn't you say that to that person? <laughs> what? What's going on here? That's a, that's a, I'm going to, I'm going to try and, I'm going to internalize that and think uh, about that and uh, see if I can externalize it. Read Breaking uh, that, Normal, 
Then okay. The, and that give you even that's, more context. That's on my uh, top my list. Definitely. I, I'm I'm happy that is on your list. It's a real honor being here for, with you. I'm happy to enjoy maybe another uh, stone beer and some dinner here that's on my with, the, with the with the queen bees. <laughs> Thank you so much for breaking normal before I even was inspired to put it on a the cover of a book. Fantastic. It's a pleasure. And thanks for the conversation. Thank you. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, everyone. I trust y'all are so enjoying these transmissions, becoming more of an in a state of awe, more in a state of joy, bliss, blessed. The attitude of gratitude is growing in you. You're becoming a magnet for unavoidable success more and more every day. So you're experiencing life in the most heavenly way you ever have now. And that it only gets better from here on out. That's my prayer for us. And that we're uh, giving our gifts generally, generously, generously. That uh, our cups are spilling over. And if we want to get something to give it. I'll probably leave this outro the same for my episodes I'm recording out here on the Big Island. Because honestly, wow. It's been a lot to keep up with, with traveling with uh, our baby and Deanna and all these different climates. Like literally someone can drive to snow, to the beach, to the desert, to valleys, to rivers, all in one day on this island. And with my ambition for adventure, it's been pretty, it's been a pretty fun opportunity to stay grounded and also prioritize this podcast and my other projects that are built around my passion. Um, if you want to team up with me right now, I think our number one offering I'm most excited about is uh, on February 22nd, we'll launch our next tribe design facilitator training for up to 22 people. And that will, uh, that what that looks like is a month long virtual training. It's awesome. Life changing. I mean, if you're attached to seeking affirmations for your limitations or are you looking to surround yourself with people that don't hold you accountable to your highest it's probably not for you but if you're ready to go all in on your dreams and start living like today is the best day ever and we're not sure how many days we'll have but we're willing to go all in in the meantime this is for you if you want to cultivate the art of being able to design a tribe wherever in the world you go that you just become a magnet for connection and that you understand how to connect people even if they don't agree with one another able to uh, basically be a catalyst for heart sync over group think. If that's something you're looking for or being able to re facilitate retreats that get you paid to share your passion in a way that feels good and makes like money more clean in my opinion. I think a lot of people think money is dirty because they're trading their time doing something they don't want to do to see numbers move on their screen. And that's one of those moments I would ask you to ask how much is making this money costing me? How much is saving money costing me? And tr just to treat money as there's no shortage of it because in reality money is made up and how can something made up be scarce? So I trust all these podcasts and transmission are getting you to go all in on your dreams and passions beyond your stories around money, time, or space because those seem the cultural norms that most people are ready to break through to start living a more liberated life rather than under someone else's ploy. So if this resonates with you, go ahead and send your application in today at internationaltribedesign.com and one of our awesome team members will get back to you to explore if you're a good fit because if you are, we want you to start running retreats around the world, designing tribes based on what lights you up the most. Build the people and the places will come. 
and that seems to be a real reality here. While I've been out here in Hawaii, so many people want to show me their the land they're stewarding, the retreat centers they're building, the ideas around designing functional tribes that are thriving rather than the vicious circle of some of the cultures that are not working. It's been such an inspiring trip, and uh, I'm, I'm wanting to team up with the people that are taking the time out of their day to tune in and listen to these ideas about breaking normal. If you're ready to take action, hit me up breakingnormal.com. I trust if if you're feeling the call, we'll see you in Austin and uh, we'll get you trained to start facilitating your own events and maybe some even tribe designs. That's what's happening in Austin. Three people that have gone through the program are actually facilitating this event. And our intention is to show up as either supporters or uh, special guests, but more as a, a as experiencing the experience as an attendee, like maybe you who's listening will be. So if you're ready to celebrate life in a tribe design in one of the greatest places on earth, the greatest time to be there, I'm trusting I'll see you in my inbox or I'll see an application from you and we'll get ready to party in all the cool ways and all the ways that make everything better. This is not like an experience of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's like what happens at a tribe design upgrades everything forever. Hmm. Aloha y'all. Keep breaking normal.